Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, hey, Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted, where we step out of those closets, we dump our excuses, we face our fears, and we start to live life unapologetically. And sometimes that means we have to get into the race of life in a whole different way And I know for me, when I made some big decisions about starting my own business and coming out of the closet, I thought this is a whole new drive. It's a whole new navigation for me. And as I did that, I came into different things I do in my life. And one of the things I got to do was I started working with speakers on helping them build their businesses. And through that, I met today's guest who in her own way is on a whole new racetrack of life. And pretty amazing stuff that she has done. She's built a couple of businesses, won some awards around those businesses. And then at 50 years old, she put herself behind a whole new wheel of life. So um, I figured this would be an amazing coming out story. Not anything to do with sexuality, but something about stepping out of a closet and saying, this is my life. This is the way I'm going to show up. So I want to bring on what I would consider what's becoming a good friend of mine at this point, Martina Kwan, who is... She's just an amazing gal. I'm not going to give away the story because I want her to be able to tell the story. So welcome back to the podcast. And the reason I say welcome back to her, folks, is we recorded this a few days ago and the sound quality wasn't that great. So we're going to do it again and make it right just for y'all. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Again, right? (laughs) Twice in a a week, we get to do this all over again. But um, anyway, I'm so glad you're here. And, And since her and I last talked, she's already done something in her world again that she loves to do. So um, let's kind of dive in. You have built a couple of very successful businesses and um, most people go, well, wow, that's great. What's wrong? (laughs) But something changed when you moved to lovely sunny California, right? Yep. (laughs) So what started to happen for you? You got to California, a lot of people's, you know, American dream, but it wasn't quite what it was meant to be for you, right? Right. So, I mean, basically, you know, when you go to college, you start your work life and you just totally focus. I focused on my career in New York City for many, many years Mm -hmm. and then started my own business. Had uh, two wonderful children. They're now 13 and 15. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I moved here in 2013, I just kind of felt like there was a void in my life and that I I was focusing on everyone else except for me and just taking care of of everybody and just, I kind of forgot who I was Mm -hmm. and what I like to do and, you know, what stimulated me rather than everyone else. I'm curious because this is interesting. It's interesting to hear somebody else say how they lost themselves, but yet you were always there but the you that probably was the you at the core of yourself at a younger age slowly began to diminish is what I just heard. Yeah. And then suddenly, that's well, probably kind of suddenly, but suddenly one day you wake up and it's like, um, 
who am I and where the hell am I? Because I'm not here. I'm here, but I'm not here. And that's kind of what I just heard you share. Yeah. And so here you are, you built these businesses, you've got these kids and you're starting to feel that emptiness, which is so similar to many people who find themselves in closets, whether it's a sexuality closet, whether it's a job closet, whether it's a relationship closet, this emptiness shows up. And what was the light bulb that finally made you go, I got to do something different? What was that thing that kicked it into play? So uh, when I moved from Miami Beach over here, I um, also transported uh, my Porsche 911 over Mm -hmm. here. I started driving. There are so many incredible canyon roads, you know, the beach, uh, mountains here in California. And I kind of just got in my car, turned up the volume on my drum and bass music or, Mm -hmm. you know, deep house music and drove, drove for hours and kind of just you know, being alone in the car is such an incredible thing for me because it's a time to think, to ponder, to reflect, to daydream mm-hmm. about, I'm actually a big daydreamer. So um, it's a wonderful time to kind of think about me. What are my thoughts? You know, you right. know, what's percolating in my own brain, yep. getting away from all the noise of, of everyday life. Uh, so that was kind of, you know, the start of it. And uh, then I uh, wanted to go to the racetrack. You know, I'd gone, uh, my old company sponsored some track days in Colorado at Pikes Peak uh, International Mm. Raceway, and I really enjoyed that. Yep. So I looked into it and found the Porsche Owners Club. And that first drive, um, you know, up through the, on the 14th through the mountains, uh, one and a half hours away to Willow Springs, Mm. also kind of really changed my life. It was so peaceful and it was, you know, as I was climbing the hill on the 14, all my problems seemed to kind of fall away. And it was such an incredible experience going. And Mm. um, yeah, so I started going occasionally, you know, getting up at 4.30, Mm -hmm. watching the sunrise, (laughs) listening to music and The dreams kept getting bigger. And, you know, as the dreams got bigger, I I realized that a lot was missing. Mm. A big chunk of myself. Mm. And just driving, driving up. I mean, I can't really describe it, but it just um, started an avalanche. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say there's this big chunk of yourself missing because... I would say um, about 95% of the people that I've interviewed on this podcast in some way, shape or form, that is what they come to too. Whether it's about their sexuality, whether it's about a job that they really don't enjoy, a relationship, something they really want to do, but yet they haven't been able to do it because they haven't done it. There's this piece of themselves that they know exists. It's somewhere, it's somewhere waiting for them to come to it, so to speak. And it's one of those moments when you realize this piece is missing that you either can choose to go bring it alive or discover it, whichever way you want to look at it, or you can continue to allow it to lie dormant and go, well, I'm sure I'll get there someday. Or, oh, now something shows up and it's time for me to do my obligatory stuff that I've been used to doing. And I've noticed that a lot of us, and I'm saying us because a lot of the people who come on this podcast fit this mold, we're very much big, open-hearted people and we want to do for others. And we oblige a lot of people. 
And at the core of it is when we lose ourselves because we're so busy doing things for other people. Yes. And at times we're doing those things to hide (laughs) what we really want to do, whether that's saying I'm gay or I really don't want to be doing this job anymore. It's like, okay, I can't let anybody really see this because what if they find out my truth? And it's an interesting space of finding out that truth is really scary because usually, and I think in your case, it's very similar. That means what will my family think? How will this affect me professionally? What will people think I'm having like this weird midlife crisis if I go off and do this? And so a lot of times we hold back, we hold back, we hold back until that holding back, it just no longer serves us because it feels like, it's, I mean, I know in my case, I felt like not that I was ever suicidal. And I, you know, somebody's asked me this the last few weeks, not because I'm feeling suicidal. They're like, you never felt suicidal. And I'm like, no, I don't believe so. But I just knew there was something missing and I was just miserable. And I, but yet I hit it. In so many ways, the misery would show up every once in a while, but most of the time I just kept it underneath. And it sounds like that's kind of what was going on for you. You were able to hide it and shove it under the carpet, so to speak, and go back to life until suddenly you felt this freedom behind the wheel driving up the mountain. Yes. And I mean, let's, you know, let's be realistic. You know, when you're in a relationship, um, I, I, I believe that if, if you share common passions mm-hmm. and understand each other, listen, and, you know, there are ways to try working on a relationship. Yep. But when there's no commonality, uh, no shared passions, uh, no understanding of, of each other or what, what each other's needs are, then, then it's over. Yep. Um, that, that's the basic truth. Yep. So, you know... That's, you know, kind of how I I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And it just got stronger and stronger. And, you know, of course, with children, you know, it's not that easy to just say, okay, bye-bye. You know, it takes, uh, it took years of work uh, to try, okay, is this going to work? And and it didn't. So, you know, it was drawing on the conclusion uh, already in 13, 14, 15 (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 16 and finally 17. So it took, took a number of years. <laughs> but here's something that I think a lot of people ignore. And you brought it up at the beginning of what you were just saying about when there's no commonalities and they ignore that because you kind of become used to being with each other. And then suddenly one of you or maybe both of you in your own way recognize this, but you don't want to really recognize it. You don't want to recognize that, wait, <clears throat> we don't share anything anymore. We share a house and we share, share children and we share getting through the day, so to speak. But so many people don't want to recognize that piece. And even as I work with people who've come out of the closet, and I'm using myself as an example. When I look back at that time frame right before I finally got brave enough to do this, there was so much that my wife and I did not have in common. But I was not willing to look at that because I knew who I was and I thought, this is, what, this is what I have to do to move forward. It was the only thing that gave me the courage to move forward, even though I probably could have got out of the marriage for many other reasons, for incompatibility about finances and planning for our life and 
you know, at that point starting, you know, to raise children and where we wanted to go professionally. I could have probably exited on any of those things, but I chose to do the hardest thing because that's when I knew if that thing got done by coming out of the closet, my truth was finally going to come to life. Mm -hmm. And as I listened to you talking through that, I kind of felt that similar sort of thing of your truth came to life kind of beyond what was going on in the relationship and your truth came to life because you had a passion you wanted to go follow as it relates to cars and racing. And that was almost like the fire. It was the igniting moment for you that gave you that, that purpose to go, okay, this is worth moving forward. Yeah. This is worth taking the risk. Yeah. And you know, the thing about thinking about something for years is I don't believe in impulsive decisions. I think, you know, you can feel one way today and something else tomorrow. And so I do believe it does take years to kind of find yourself again. And, you know, one of the things that, that I did was what, what did I love as a child? What did I love mm -hmm. to do before going to college, before all the responsibilities? And that was horseback riding. So one of the things about going to Willow Springs, a lot mm -hmm. of the California racetracks are in the desert. And yep. I used to live as a child at 13 in Bahrain in the Middle East in the desert. <laughs> yep. So, you know, in a sense, when I went to the desert racetrack, I felt oddly at home, at peace. It reminded me in a subliminal way of how happy I was as a child. You know, so yes, in addition, it was the race cars, but it was the whole different environment away from the city. I always considered myself a farm girl, yeah, <laughs> yeah. not a city girl, you know, and, and all of my adult life, I lived in cities and apartments and um, just going out there with all the sky showing and open fields was incredible. It, it kind of, it's a very freeing feeling mm -hmm. to be away from all the cars, the people, the traffic. Absolutely. And this freedom, <clears throat> to me, it's so interesting to watch how our freedom shows up in different ways. For me, the freedom started showing up. I mean, I knew I was, I shouldn't say I knew I was gay. I knew I was enjoying relationships with men. I was in denial that I was gay, but I was having these experiences and it, it kept me sane. And it wasn't until the job that I was in when I did come out that I realized how much freedom it was given me because I was able, I was traveling the world. And so when that, when I would get on that plane, it's almost as if, okay, now I'm living my life. I'm living the real life. Not yeah. because I was getting to travel the world because now I could be myself. I was in places where nobody kind of knew me. Um, when I traveled with my colleagues, I had a lot of them that were gay and lesbian. So even though I wasn't quote out to them, I hung out with them a lot and it prepared me for the adventure I was going to go on. And in that freedom is where I gained the courage. It's where I got curious. It's where I got rid of a lot of the confusion and I'm not saying because I'm such a great guy and I cheated <laughs> that's that was part of the equation the infidelity but without that I couldn't get to this space where I'm like okay I have the confidence and the courage to say yes I've been a son of a bitch but I have to go be me now 
And I think for a lot of people, when they're in these spaces, freedom is one of those things that consistently comes up. When I talked to, I literally just worked with a client yesterday and I said, okay, but what is the one thing that you know you will experience if you walk away from this partnership with your business partner? And I mean, there's a lot at risk for this guy. There's a huge amount of money on the table. There's not any real certainty of what his next career thing looks like. And his first response was freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think this is very common when we make these decisions. So relating back to your love of horses and everything, and then coming to this moment where suddenly here you have this powerful car that guides you, what drove you into that space of, I'm going to become this person, I'm going to become this gal <laughs> who says, I'm kind of throwing caution to the wind and I'm going to step into a space dominated by men and see what I can do. Well, it's funny that you mentioned travel because that was one of the defining things and, mm -hmm. you know, it, getting to know yourself again. And I loved going on business trips. So with my old uh, company, um, the factory was in Asia and Indonesia. And um, we also did business in the Middle East. So I would take either Air France via Paris and just walking, you know, uh, on the transfer of the flights to, you sure. know, the Paris airport, it's kind of like, God, I'm me again, you know, mm -hmm. it was such a great, great feeling. Oh, I feel like eating, don't have to worry about anyone else, whether they're hungry or not. Um, and oh, it's such, such a, a liberating feeling, but also more importantly, you know, in the air. I mean, some of my most, uh, important decisions in life have been made over an ocean, yep. Pacific, Atlantic, Indian Ocean, yep. or the Sahara Desert. So mm. for me, the defining, one of the most defining moments was uh, there's an 18-hour nonstop flight Etihad from LAX to Abu Dhabi. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I love being in the air with no contact to anyone, no Wi-Fi, and it just gives you that odd space, 30,000 feet in the air, where you think and only your thoughts count. Yep. So on one of the trips uh, in the fall of 2016, the flight already was incredible. And, you know, my feelings became stronger and, and more solidified. And when I arrived, um, the conference uh, center was not ready for me to set up the booth yet. Mm -hmm. So I decided to take a taxi one and a half hours, you know, outside of Dubai proper to the Sharjah Dubai desert and got on an Arabian horse and started riding during sunset with the full mm. moon rising behind me on an Arabian horse over there. And, you know, it was so peaceful and it reminded me of when I was 13 years old in Bahrain yeah. and the feelings of who I am, what I want to do, that was the defining moment where I decided I'm going to dare to be different. I am mm. going to fear nothing. I'm going to be myself again. And um, that's the moment that I named my 9-11 fire horse because uh, I was born in the year of the fire horse. And right. I decided to become a race car driver and to mm. pursue what I had sort of dabbled with. But now I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And it was the most 
important day in my life at 50 years old. That's awesome. <laughs> Had you even as a younger woman been interested in cars and in racing or anything like that? Or was this just something that just in the past few years had come to you? You know, we lived in cities all over the world where there really aren't Hong Kong, Beirut, right. you know, Hamburg, Amsterdam. There are, you really don't drive right. in the cities very much. Yep. Uh, so as an adult, I really did love uh, Formula One, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, myself driving, I mean, I couldn't really afford my own Porsche till Miami in 2011. And, you know, when I got in that car for the first time, I loved the sound. Mm. Uh, but really moving here to California with all the great roads and then finding that racing organization yeah, you know, kind of tip, tipped it over where I love it. Mm. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, somebody asked me a similar question. They're like, okay, so did you always see yourself being the kind of guy that would speak and influence people and motivate people? And I said, well, I don't think I really saw myself like that. And then it hit me. And I, and I always kind of do go back to a little bit of my childhood where I was always involved in plays and theater and singing. And I thought maybe that is, yeah, that is probably part of who I was that I put away because, oh, if I'm that, then people are going to figure out that I'm gay. Even though consciously at the time, I wasn't putting those two things together. I mean, I didn't put those two pieces together whatsoever. Now that I can sit back at 56 years old and kind of look back on it, I'm like, there probably was a conscious, unconscious effort to go, okay, well, yes, this is what I do and this is how I impact people. But gosh, if I pursue this, everybody's going to know I'm a fag, you know, (laughs) back in that day, it would have been that, right? And um it's interesting to see when I can give myself the permission to like, okay, let's just get still and let's go do some time travel back mm-hmm. to see the numerous times that I did take to the stage and not just theater. I'm talking took to the stage and led and had a voice in all this. And three years ago I had a real epiphany around using my voice and that using my voice came to me when I was frustrated in my business. I wasn't making much money. And I literally, I was home alone <laughs> and I screamed, I just want to fucking use my voice. <laughs> and then this thing slapped me upside the head of, you are. You're using your voice by writing because I was writing for Huffington Post and a couple of other blogs. You're using your voice by you doing your podcast. You're using your voice by speaking, you know, in front of groups, you're using your voice with your clients. And it suddenly quieted me down because it was like, this is my reality. I do use my voice. Everything I, I mean, yes, we all use our voice, but I use my voice for good in so many different ways. And I find it interesting that in that moment, when you decided you're going to dare to be different and you named your car and everything, and you had this already love for horses and that Arabian horseback ride and everything, suddenly brought you forward in this very powerful, igniting way to say, and this is how I'm going to be my own fire horse, so to speak. I am going to step behind the wheel and I'm going to go do this. Yeah. And I bet you regret every moment of that now, right? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Not for one second. (laughs) Uh uh 
<laughs> but the story doesn't stop there because you decided to do this and then you've done amazing things stepping into this world, a very male dominant world. And now this is like beyond a passion for you. This is kind of like your life, right? Yeah. So, you know, I've always been, you know, I'm German and Chinese, so I've been pretty competitive all my yeah. life. And, um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed working or breaking barriers in male-dominated uh, industries in mm -hmm. New York, being a financial controller and working on Wall Street and the big four accounting firms. So, and I've always not been a fearful person. You know, we lived uh, in Beirut during the war. And even before that, you know, part of my personality is that I've always been really independent. And even at six years old, walking into a school alone, no problem. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, um, it, it's something now. Sorry, now I, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You know, it's interesting when we do lose these thoughts because that tells me that there's something that's coming forward for you right now that maybe you haven't been in or you haven't felt. And I, and I love it when we are in the midst of, of a podcast like this and this starts to happen because, <laughs> there's, no, there's like a breakthrough. And it's happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. And as you're starting to tell the story of, you know, getting behind the wheel and moving forward and then things starting to happen, there's this overwhelming sense of, wow, this is me sharing my truth. Yeah. And I never edit anything like this out because it's such a beautiful moment <laughs> because I know at that point, my guess, there's something coming up for them and they may not be able to pick out what that is, but it's part of their story of here you decide you're going to pursue this. You knew this is what you wanted to do. You were in this male dominated field. You had already broke through all these glass ceilings, but in the midst of this coming out in your own beautiful way, not only did you begin to pursue a passion, but the way you stepped into the world also gave you the opportunities to take your passion and say, I'm going to turn this into something beyond just passion. Yeah. I'm going to put myself in a space where you probably didn't realize it, but the universe was going to deliver you somebody that you weren't anticipating because <laughs> there's a whole nother story in here too that we haven't even started yeah. to touch on yet. I think that's what actually stumped me just now mm. is because it's not just, you know, oh, what have I done in the past few years? But 2017 was a pivotal year. Um, 2016 fall was the ride in the desert. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, 2017, I started taking the race car driving seriously, you know, won that championship 2018, won that one. And this year through 2019. So three time champion in three years. But in 2017, I also met the love of my life. Mm. And so that's, you know, one of the greatest gifts of, of deciding that I was going to be me is that I found um, uh, my soulmate. And mm. he shares the same passion. He actually lived on a ranch with animals and goats and, you know, cows and horses. And uh, so we share, he's a race car driver um, and uh, he was my race coach and mm. for you know years before that it was just let's talk about apex throttle and braking right <laughs> <laughs> and then we discovered that we both are we love horses it, not just okay 
he had to prove himself that <laughs> he could ride right. and he's actually a horse whisperer. So that was the most beautiful thing in this whole story for me. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that kind of facilitated this whole thing and just fit in completely harmoniously. Um, and then this year was uh, a huge year for me as well, because um, aside from the Porsche 911, I was uh, approached in May uh, to drive the Celine S1 race car, which is a new race car. And uh, didn't really know much about Celine, but it's an incredible mom and pop, uh, smaller than the big, you know, Chevrolet and Dodge right. and it's an amazing company. And so I've been, was driving as their fully sponsored um, race car driver this season and the Celine Cup as part of the Blancpain GT World Challenge series. Mm. And it was it was a huge deal for me because, you know, I'm relatively entry level. Yeah. And uh, it took a lot of preparation. It took guts to get into that car. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure. Honest. Really, it was uh, much more powerful <laughs> than my other car. But it was such an incredible experience. And I met so many wonderful people, you know, the Celine family, everyone who works there at R3, just um, the other drivers. It was such a family environment. And so it was a very enriching experience, aside from race car driving. It just, you know, this whole thing has opened up a new world of of people, you know, people that share the same passion and that's where sharing the same passion it's you understand each other you get yeah. each other and it, you don't even have to talk you understand and that that's kind of really such a rewarding rewarding experience now that you've shared this i want to kind of go back to where you kind of like paused just a few minutes ago and you felt like you lost your way <laughs> this has happened numerous times to me when i start to talk about the British guy that changed everything for me. Mm. And I will get up to that point and it's almost as if it's happening all over again. And sometimes when I, and I, and I can get sidetracked in my own consciousness at that moment, mm-hmm. even though I know I'm speaking and then suddenly I realize I'm talking, but nothing's making sense what I'm saying. <laughs> and then I realize what it is, is I'm in that moment again And there's been a couple of times that it's happened to me where I've been in that moment of, okay, I'm kind of, I'm about to set the new course for my life. Mm -hmm. And what if I don't? Mm -hmm. And it's almost like it stops me in my tracks because I'm like, but wait, I did. (laughs) Uh I'm here. I'm talking about this. But, um, and the first time I, I had this actually happen to me was, um, right after we had seen, if then on Broadway, mm-hmm. which is very much that same kind of concepts. Like, well, if you had done this, then what? Oh, wow. And I remember sitting through that show and we had just come back from intermission. And just as the m- music started again, I thought, what if I hadn't come out of the closet? I wouldn't be sitting here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. be sitting here with my husband. You know, and then I, so of course, then I was kind of like not paying real attention to the show. (laughs) I mean, I was there, but I wasn't, you know, and it was such an interesting, weird experience. And then right after that, Adina Menzel like flubbed, (laughs) didn't really purposefully flub a line, but there's a scene in the show where she's eating cereal at a table at the dining room table on stage and she started actually choking (laughs) and (laughs) 
suddenly we're like, well, is this part of the show or is it not? And then all you see is this hand come up from the orchestra pit and it's like the, it's the orchestra director <laughs> with a bottle of water and she happened to see it. And of course the whole audience is like cracking up because she gets up and comes running. And so she really was choking. Well, we didn't realize that we're like, okay, is this for real or is this part of the show? And then a few months later we saw it in LA and I'm like, okay, that wasn't part of the show. Yeah. But it was so weird because even when I saw the show again in LA, I thought, going into the show first I thought well is she going to do this again and that was my first thought I thought I wonder if I'm going to have these weird kind of back in time sort of feelings around this and I didn't really because I, I, I was too conscious about it at that moment well a month later I am literally in the midst of a podcast mm-hmm. and we're talking about and this was one that was with another, with a female version of me who had been married and come out of the closet and we were, she's a coach too. She works with him and I do the thing working with men and we're having this back and forth dialogue and literally in the midst of it, she said something about, well, you know, I was at this show with my girlfriend early on in our relationship and I immediately got taken out of there Uh (laughs) because it wasn't about what happened in New York at that moment. Mm-hmm. It was because the night before I met the Brit, which is what I lovingly call him, the Brit, <laughs> I had been at a show in London. And I remember sitting in that show and for some weird reason, thinking to myself, because here I am out on one of those trips where it's almost like I'm living my truth. I got really sad in that show, even though it was a great show. I, it was, um, I can't remember the name of it. It's one of Andrew Lloyd Webber's, the skating one. I can't remember what the skating one is, but I had never got to see that one. I'm like, oh, this is such a cool show. And I'm literally sitting in there like about to cry. Mm-hmm. But I was about to cry because I'm like, I wonder what it would be like to be sitting here watching a show like this with a man that I really loved. Mm-hmm. And literally the next day is when everything started to unravel. So I think it's really interesting when these things show up like it did for you today, because there's something that needed to show up Mm -hmm. and take you to that space again to be able to like, okay, this is my truth. Mm -hmm. And when we ignore our truths, to me, that is the biggest sign that we're still not done. We're still not done wholly owning who we are and where we are. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that was what was happening for you, but it's just, it's always so interesting to see this happen. And to just be really open to it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, what I was saying about traveling, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, mm-hmm. I loved traveling. I mean, we lived all over the world, but it was a, a sense of freedom. Um, but it was also really lonely because I wasn't sharing my life with anyone. And so yep. I guess just now, you know, again, in 2017, it was such a big year, but the, you know, and, and being independent, I love doing things by myself. You know, mm-hmm. I could totally be doing this by myself, no problem. Sure. But it was, it's such a rare gift to be with a person who, you know, totally understands you. And I've learned so much from him and everything he says makes sense. He's so ethical and it, it kind of brings tears to my eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And it is very special when you find that. And there's still a, a warm space in my heart for the Brit, even though nothing, we didn't last. But without him, I wouldn't have found, uh, no, I, I would have found myself probably eventually, but I wouldn't have found 
this inner person who I am now that is very deep and can talk about soulful things, who can go deep in conversations, who can bear my soul and not worry about what other people are going to think without him challenging me to look deeper. And even in the past few years when we've had some conversations and he's challenged me, um, it's been interesting to watch how I take that and go, but this is what I was called forth to bring forth. Mm-hmm. That's all always, always, always been there. And I find it really powerful when I get to do these interviews that there's the commonality, the yeah. commonality with me and the person I'm sharing this time with is there's a piece of themselves that's always been there, but it's just been waiting to be called forth. The hand's been waiting to be grabbed a hold of, mm-hmm. saying, come on, we're bringing you forward. And when you and I first talked, before we ever did the first recording, <laughs> I just, I knew it. I felt this interesting connection to you in that moment while I was coaching you around speaking. Mm-hmm. And I thought there's something here that there's a commonality of experience of, you were waiting for that thing to pull you forward. Mm-hmm. And when it pulled you forward, and it was tied to things that were really core to you, the horseback riding, the being free in the desert, the traveling every time. I mean, <laughs> I've, now, I've now heard Martina talk about the traveling and Aaron being all alone twice. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I can relate to that so freaking much because I was, you know, we both were probably traveling when there, there wasn't cell phones and there wasn't, you know, pages right. were probably the extent of how connected we could be. But it was, it's so interesting to be, sure, we had the movies and stuff on planes, but there's something interesting about flying in this tube through the air in the middle of a night crossing the Atlantic, the Pacific, whatever you, whichever ocean it is, and realizing how minute you are and how much just being with yourself in that moment is such a beautiful gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's when I feel like we truly find ourselves. Yes. So what's next for you? Lots of racing ahead. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. A lot of things uh, revolving race car driving, um, racing school, uh, just speaking. Let's not forget the speaking. uh, Data science, you know, just, you know, one of, one of my wishes is really to inspire others, Mm -hmm. you know, and inspire them. It's okay to be different. Just yeah. to be different, you know, just be you. And, you know, when we open ourselves up to being ourselves, then we attract people that are like us. And as a result, you're happier. So, but yeah, just, you know, dare to be different. Who cares if it's not the norm? Who cares if society, you know, if you don't follow what they expect of you? You know, are you going to be happy that way? Or are you going to plod through life like I did? Uh, sort of, you know, like a hamster on a wheel, right? Uh, day in, day out, and kind of wasting days, hours, weeks, and years. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, my hope is to inspire, especially women and especially young girls, to whatever it is. It doesn't have to be obviously race car driving, anything that they might enjoy, and it's a little different. Or if they are themselves different, it's okay. Yes. Well, I'm so glad that you're doing that and taking that forward and that you came out of your closet of life to say, this is who I am. This is where I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. And um, I'm also so glad that you and I connected so that we could 
not only get to do this once, but twice now and to share you <laughs> this go around with, uh, with the listeners. It's been a, a really cool experience. So, um, thank you again for being a guest and being you and I can't wait to see where you go. Thank you so much, Rick. I mean, you're incredible and mm -hmm. I admire what, what you've done and it's, um, I'm sure helped so, so many people. Yeah. I think that's what we're all here on the planet to do in our own way. So, um, and folks, if you are looking to learn more about Martina, we will have everything on the website, how you can connect up with her, check out where she's racing, what she's up to. And if you need somebody to come speak to you and inspire young women or women or anybody for that matter, but I know she'd really like to be inspiring women and young women. She is your gal. She is the one who could show them so many beautiful things. So make sure you check that out on the website. And as always, Never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping into living your life uncloseted by dumping your excuses, facing your fears, and living life without apology. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.